This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Well, as we come to the end of Women's Month, uh, I figured this would be a good opportunity actually to look back on the month of, of course, the month of August. Uh, we'll, uh, uh, there were some highlights, particularly in terms of uh, women's sport. Uh, we saw the efforts of the netball team and the pro tiers uh, at the World Cup. Uh, and, of course, most significantly, Bayana Bayana's uh, showing at the Women's World Cup uh, um, in um, in in Australia and New Zealand last week we had a chat to the chairperson of the um, bid committee the committee that's putting together the bid to bring South Africa the World Cup in 2027 to South Africa that's the Women's World Cup well um, one of the things that has been said is that the women's game in the country will need to be professionalized or needs to be professionalized in order to ensure that we have a team that can compete when we do. And note, I say when we do, not if we do get to host the 2027 uh, Women's World Cup. Well, to that end, Safa have appointed um, a, a head of women's football. And uh, the person that does, uh, my guest uh, is that candidate, Romani Pinnock, um, is, uh, has worked in as manage- management consultant and is also the founding director of a Cape Town-based women's football club known as Badges of Football uh, Academy. Well, her duties in this role now will include heading up the delivery of Safa's women's football strategy. Uh, Romani Pinnock is in studio with me. Good morning to you and thank you so much for coming in. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It is quite the task that uh, you have taken it on, but I think that uh, your timing is uh, impeccable in terms of uh, where women's football finds itself right now. There's a real opportunity to do something special now. I agree. I really think the the team in Australia and New Zealand set us up amazingly for now talking about mm. robust strategy and a pathway going forward. Um, so we can only thank them for that. It was mm. a brilliant performance. It makes conversations around professionalization so much easier mm. because we can see the talent that's there and we can see what's needed to mm. take it further. I mean, um, how, what, what actually, what is the starting point? It's very easy to say we need to professionalize uh, um, the game. It sounds um, like something easy that you do, just form a bunch of women's professional clubs. But what actually uh, is the process that we need to go through? In, the way, in your assessment, where do we find ourselves in terms of South African, of women's football in South Africa? I think it's going to be a multifaceted journey when when we think of the basics around professionalization, it's can a woman earn a salary um, while while performing this task of, of playing for a team or a club? Um, and in this country, very much, this isn't the case. Very few clubs pay a living salary. Um, so that's step one. But also, it's about professional um, capacity. Are these clubs set up to support these players from being a young player up until... Uh, potentially representing your country in a manner that gets them there adequately. Mm. Um, are they supported in terms of 
their physical bodies and what's required to be a professional athlete, um, as well as if they're in school, you know, supporting what what does education look like? What mm. does career look like post football? Mm. Um, so looking at the careers beyond just being on the field. And I think there's there's a lot to do in terms of um, painting an ecosystem wherein women and girls can see viable careers within football and mm. within other sports in South Africa. I mean, cricket's just taken this Absolutely, this yes. Um, mm. So, y- yeah, we're definitely on the cusp of change and mm. I'm glad I can push it a bit further. Absolutely. We're actually in conversation. We were speaking to the chairperson of Cricket SA about this uh, announcement that they've made now that they're going to professionalize uh, the women's game there. You know, for, I've always wondered for many years what the pipeline is for a young girl hoping to one day represent Banyana Banyana. Because um, I know at my own daughter's school, it wasn't until last year, um, yeah, maybe last year or the year before, that they introduced, um, you know, soccer or football for for women, which I, I've always found quite curious. You know, if you look at a country like the, well, actually many countries around the world where uh, even in the U.S. where girls even play with boys until a certain age. What is the pipeline in South Africa? And why is it that, uh, I mean, surely that's the starting point has to be in schools. Well, what have you found? For some reason, culturally, football has been seen as a very masculine sport mm. forever in this country. And that's, it's still a big barrier to cross um, that... Yes, schools may offer it, but then on top of that, would a family agree that a girl is allowed to play football? There's still these these um, mm. cultural blocks, I think. And um, what is the average pipeline for a young boy? He's probably part, it's, he's probably able to find a local club very close to his home yeah. across most of the country. Um, your average girl might find that club, but they mm. don't have girls' teams. Uh, a lot of our top players came through playing joining boys teams uh, around the country mm. um, which is still exclusionary you have to be a certain type of girl to say to a bunch of boys I'm coming to play with mm. you uh, mm. so you know that already at and that, for them to say yeah sure yes, exactly mm. um, already at that starting level of a local club um, I believe not enough clubs are offering women's uh, girls teams and then not enough local FAs local associations mm. are offering um, structured leagues for those girls teams so a club might say hey I, I want to create a girls team but then is there actually a league for her to play in and then on top of that are the age structures adequate for her development you know with boys you can you start at tiny tots mm. and then there's every age category with girls like in my club for example our under sixteen team is made up of from eleven year olds to under six to like mm. fifteen sixteen. Mm. You know that eleven year old shouldn't be playing uh, in that olds. yeah in mm. that age category for her own development. And then yes, schools play a critical role. I think the more we can capacitate schools to to have teachers who are keen to get girls involved in football, mm. um, uh, capacitate schools with equipment. Uh, that's really where football can grow and mm. and. Um, we can see scale at a school level, just you know, considering mm. everyone's hopefully going to school, mm. uh, which we also know they're not doing. Mm. But um, you know, so okay, so pathways: do I join a local club? Mm. Do I jo- join my school sport, or both? Um, and from there on, um, there there are the various leagues within the country: regional, mm. Sassel League, Hollywood Bets. So I also think there's a case to be made for communicating that pathway to girls. I do not think your average girl in this country mm. knows what that pathway looks like and knows that they can get to 
a Hollywood Bets League, for example, if they're exceptional yeah. and from there maybe be scouted. And hopefully by the time they get there, it's professionalized and they can earn a salary. Let's talk about uh, the Hollywood Bets in the Cecil League at the league in the moment there. Uh, where are they in terms of where you're trying to get? I mean, uh, one got the impression that uh, when Hollywood Bets uh, came on that this is now, that's that, that's the big step towards professionalizing. Um, what is uh, the picture right now in terms of what's the profile of the team and the players uh, that make up, um, you know, the, the, the Hollywood Bets League? I think it definitely was a very important step, adding that um, division and has definitely upped the standard. Mm. If we think of it in um, layman terms, you know, Sassels should be a semi-professional league and Hollywood Bets should be professional. Mm. Some people might disagree, but, mm. you know, which means you should be um, supported and earning some basic stipends maybe at a Sassel level and be able to make a career if when you're in Hollywood Bets. But this isn't the case. Very few clubs actually pay salaries. Some might give board and lodging, maybe few give a stipend. So actually it's still an amateur hobby in mm. a way, um, with most of these women still holding down regular non-football jobs. Mm. So as good as the level might be, there is so much space for it to be better because if that player is good enough to 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 be a professional. We should allow them the space to do it as a full time role because then we will just see them excel in a totally different manner. Um, so I think we're still very much in an amateur phase mm. where most of these women don't have the opportunity to fully dedicate their lives to the sport. You know, when you talk professionalizing, um, you talk money. Uh, and then, of course, whenever we get to that point, whether it be about sponsorship of the women's national team or whatever, um, you get the old um, and tired refrain that, uh, well, it's difficult for sponsors to back women's football because women's football doesn't get the, the television audiences or it doesn't even get the television coverage. And then you end up in that situation, or which comes first, the chicken or egg um, situation. How... Because uh, I, I, I imagine you're still going to have to deal with that kind of thing. Um, what is the how, what is your response to that, and how do you? What is the approach mm. going should be, or what should it be? I definitely think that we need more of these games televised, or at least on digital platforms of mm. some kind. They need to be accessible, but just putting them out there is not enough. There is a marketing campaign that needs to take place to show people the competitive nature of these games and why we would want to tune in and watch them. Um, there's the, There are interesting stats out there that if you can connect to a single player and their personal story, whether you're a fan or a non-fan of the sport, you're more likely to follow that team and that person mm. in, in a very dedicated way. So getting those stories out there I think is also critical. Like when I think, how do I personally take the strategy forward of professionalization, there's there is, yes, how do we create um, salaries and capacity mm. building, but there's also how do we market this product? Mm. Um, and and the men's has been marketed, and we can see that it is possible to get get it to a product that is viable. We can see it internationally. Women's investment in women's sport is definitely paying off. Chicken and egg, mm. yes, it needs to be on television, I think, first and foremost, and mm. marketed and... Um, because sponsors ultimately exactly. are in business. They do, this is not uh, philanthropy mm. when they do put money behind their sport. Yeah, they want to see their brand up there. They want to know X thousand of people saw that brand on that weekend. Um, so 
So we have to balance those. And mm. I think the right um, partners must come on board to get those stories out there, okay. to broadcast, um, you know, so that the quality can get out there and the sponsors can be like, yes, we want our name attached to that. I'm chatting to Romani Pinnock. She is suffers a head of women's football, and uh, she has the mammoth stra- uh, task of coming up with uh, a football strategy for South African women's football. We'll uh, conclude our conversation with Romani uh, in a moment. Let's check on the roads. Power Breakfast with TT. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Power 98.7. 26 minutes after 8 on the Power Breakfast. Uh, my guest in studio is Romani Pinnock, a softers and head of women's uh, football. I just wanted to share a comment coming through here on Twitter uh, from Sabelo Omkulu says, we have a problem with dedication and competency when it comes to administration in our country, regardless of sport, basic education, or finance sector so much talent yet no guided uh, yet not guided properly and i think uh, on that i think it actually picks up uh, picks up on the point that i wanted to make that do you actually have a um a unique combination of uh, uh, skills in terms of um your, your you know the work that you have done in the past you, you kind of cover every base in terms of uh, you know you've got uh, management experience consulting experience uh, you've run a football club um, so you are in very familiar territory I mean how important is that that uh, in terms of your the work that you've done in the past how that has geared you up for the task mm. that you've taken up now I think everything that one can gather in one's portfolio of uh, work always helps the next job. Mm. Uh, so I would definitely say the projects I've done within local government, within um, public universities, within schooling systems, those ones help in this vein because in a way the federation is quite it, it is similar to one of those beasts in a way mm. that um, things can be slow moving and um Decision making can take a while. So I think there's a way of uh, learning how to create buy-in and, and get alignment that is important, mm. which, which I would definitely say I've learned from past roles. You know, we have to do this as a federation. Mm. I'm not going to change women's football. The federation has to change women's football, which means together as a team we have to align um, and, and build towards, mm. towards this journey. And I'm wondering even how that mandate that you were given was... Uh, conceived and constructed in a sense that you also have a situation as you say this can't be your your job to to get this right on your own uh, you can guide and lead the process but one of the biggest problems that i have issues that we have at the moment actually is this toxic relationship that exists between our national association as in safa and our professional arm of the game that's the psl you know who are supposed you know the psl would have been a great partner in trying to bring back it seems like the most natural partner in trying to bring this uh, creature to life. I see you got a wry smile there on your face uh, by putting you in a comfortable call. But it is an important consideration and it'll have a bearing on uh, the success or otherwise of uh, the, the, the task you've taken on. I think it is critical that in my role, I am engaging with all the people who want to see women's football um, 
grow effectively in this country from the investor to the player. And that does include the likes of PSL mm. and, and many other parties that may have interesting relationships with the Federation. Mm. So I hope that people... <laughs> interesting is the word you go for. Okay. <laughs> I hope that people can see this as almost a new uh, wing or a new journey that, you know, past relationships might have um, gone through interesting pathways, mm. but like come to the party. It's a let's, clean slate. Yes, let's have a new and clean conversation about women's football and take what we've learned from men's mm. football um, and from that those um, mm. stakeholders you know there's so much that we can learn rights and wrongs mm. let's translate that towards women's football with all the stakeholders who want to see it succeed mm-hmm. what are those kind of deliverables that have uh, you have either said for yourself or that have been set in agreement with the um, Osafa um, you know in terms of where you're going um, because obviously this is going to be a process it's going to probably take many many years maybe more years than you might have to be with the association my deliverables you're asking yes and or, like, or, or or just the kind of uh, you know uh, pathway that you've set yeah. yourself yeah I, th- I think if you look at from grassroots to professional if i were to sort of summarize my own deliverables mm. um in in one sentence it would be ca- can that average girl step out of her home mm. find a club that will support and develop her work through those age groups and those journeys successfully, mm. find a career in football if she wants to and if she's good enough, whether that's as a player, a ref, a coach, etc. If if I can say that those journeys are more accessible mm. for young girls in South Africa, then I would say I'm, I'm, I'm winning in terms of mm. deliverables. You know, and that comes with all the small print of mm. capacity building and coaches training and uh, fundraising, etc. Yeah. But that's the main thing. Can she step out? Can she find the place to be? And can she succeed along that path? Yeah, that's, that is simplifying it for sure. Listen, and it's definitely something that needs to happen. Got to strike while the iron's hot. We've had, we've got such a glorious opportunity in terms of what Bayana have just achieved now. And we know what the possibilities are. So we have to absolutely, um, uh, you know, uh, take advantage of it and I want to thank you so much and wish you well in the task that you've taken on and I look forward to having further engagements as time goes on to see how this uh, whole process is unfolding thank you so much Romini for coming in thank you thank you for having me Romini Pinnock suffers ahead of women's football you've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast for more podcasts visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts